Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast. I'm hosting today, I'm Marcus Alley, and joining me as always, fresh off the back of his 22nd birthday celebrations, Mr. Michael Gillett. Sorry to remind you of that daunting age, that number, but um, how are you? I'm feeling so old. Uh, no, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm good, thank you. A little bit tired from a perhaps a little bit of lockdown celebrating last night for the birthday but um yeah yeah not bad and um definitely some good tennis to talk about at the moment so back to the tennis after that little uh, celebration um, the first tournament that we're going to talk about today is the Murray River Open. Um, I'm not sure whether this has been dubbed Melbourne 1 or Melbourne 2, how they ordered them, I'm not sure on priority. But the Murray River Open um, is, is the one where Stanislas Vavrenka came in as the top seed. That's how I've kind of been remembering it. Um, but we find ourselves looking towards the final, which is a really enticing matchup and possibly definitely between myself and Michael, the most eagerly awaited um, match of the tennis season so far. And that's Dan Evans in his third ATP Tour final. Um, and he's facing the young Canadian Felix Auger-Aliassim in his seventh ATP Tour final, which we just spoke pre-pod is, is, is still mind-blowing, even though I feel like we've, talking, we've spoken about his record quite a lot. Um, Evans, obviously the third... Felix being the seventh, neither of them have won a title across that time. Evans has got 10 years on Felix. Um, so, yeah, I mean, making six finals by the age of 20 is pretty impressive, but obviously disappointing to not have won one. So this is this is the big match, really, the big one before, obviously, the Grand Slam in, in the Australian Open starts on Monday. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I think there's. I, I really, really like it when there's a really enticing final at one of the tournaments before Grand Slam, like with Queens. If you get a really exciting final, it. I think I, I just think it's really good. It gives a player uh, a lot of momentum before a tournament, and um, just sort of gets you in the the mood to watch some some good tennis. And and this final for me is really exciting. I'm definitely going to be watching this. Oh, no, I've just seen it's at three a.m. tonight, so. Uh, I'm yeah. I well, I do want to be watching this, so um, we'll see. Um, yeah, I think uh, it is exciting. Like they say in boxing, someone's O has got to go. Um, and that's definitely the case for these two. Uh, I think, in my opinion, I make Evans favour. I see that uh, the bookies are actually slightly favouring uh Aliassime, which I find interesting. Um, but I, I think Evans has just looked class uh, from what I've seen him in this week. I saw a lot of his match against Koric, um, who would just be a Nick Kyrgios. I was very much hoping that uh, Evans would be able to play. I would be able to watch Evans Kyrgios that morning, but Evans Koric it was. Uh, Evans played superb and, and a 6-2-6-2 win over uh, uh, Jeremy Shardy that impressed this week. Um, fantastic result for Evans. He's looked so good. He hasn't dropped a set. He's beaten... You know, four very decent players, in, in fairness. There's not really a name there. But a, a lot of times in these 250 tournaments, you'll see a name there or it'd be like a wild card or a qualifier and you think that's sort of a free pass. I mean, I, I suppose Pedro Sousa in the first round is, is not the 
the most difficult of match, but it's I, I still think he's come through some some tough encounters and to do it so unscathed in the way that he has is uh, is really good to see him playing well. Auger LSE, on the other hand has had a bit of a tougher time. Uh, was given a real battle event against uh, Igor Gerasimov, good Be- Belarusian player. Uh, that one went to three sets. He actually came back from a set down. Uh, and then won the final set tiebreak, 8-6. Uh, we was, went within two points of losing that match to Grasimov. Um, was a bit more fortunate in his next match when Yuri Vaseli we withdrew injured. Uh, and then a, a good a good win against Mute uh, to, to get to the final. So, yeah, I, I, it's a very good final. I think it could go either way, but I, I favour Evans a little bit. I think he's looked the more solid player. And I think the fact that Felix has been in six finals now and lost all of them will will definitely take its uh, will definitely play its part on his mind I think Evans I think did you say it was his third uh, final Evans so yeah obviously only lost two um, it's not quite as bad as six and I think Evans is definitely just on form at the moment um, so yeah that's my, my views on it I'm, to make a little prediction I, I'm going to say Evans to win in three um, but yeah, I very much like to see the Brit win a maiden title and, and get 2021 off to a, a really good start. The Cor- the Corich win is the one that really st- stands out for me in in his run to the final. Obviously, a player that's knocked on the door of the of the top ten um, in in the recent past, and definitely a player that I think is on a similar level to Evans in in terms of what they could realistically achieve this year. Um, they'd both probably be saying that they want to break into that top 20. Corrich might even be narrowly inside it. I'm not sure, but he definitely has been uh, in the past. So that win is definitely the biggest one and, and doing it in, in straight sets fashion as well proves that, you know, he's still getting better at the age of 30 and hopefully, you know, he can get this one over the line and, and it would be great to get his first tour title out of the way at the start of the year. This is something that we spoke about a couple of ep- episodes ago of both these players. And I think I, I, I definitely said that, these players won't be worrying too much about ranking or anything. They'll, they'll just want to, to, to get the first one out the way. Um, particularly Felix, obviously having those six finals, I don't think you can argue that having that experience really helps. I mean, it's probably just going to make him a bit more desperate and have a bit more bad memories of getting to this, this stage in the tournament before, but I think it speaks volumes to the potential and just the incredible player that, and prospect that we have in Felix Auger Ali Asim that he's kind of, made his way to this final unnoticed I feel like um, he's won four matches all players lower ranked than him so four players that he walked into the match's favourite but you know at just 20 years old it should still be impressive that, that he's making an ATP um, 250 final and especially on the cusp of a grand slam so you know it's, it's some some good vibes about Felix going into the, the, the next couple of months and this this hard court swing Um. As for my prediction, my gut says Felix. I just think he's got a bigger game and he can be more consistent. If he can dominate on serve, then it'll be it'll be tough for Evans. Um, although I do think the, the losing six finals hoodoo will play a factor. However, I'm narrow, I'm going to go for Felix Auger Alia seems to shade it in in, in three sets. Um, but yeah, it'll definitely be a very very interesting match. Just to move on to the other tournament, if you haven't got anything else to add on the Murray River Open, Michael. 
might be the only the only other point I was going to make uh, was that I suppose the difference between them is although Felix has lost in a lot more finals, Evans might see it a lot more as uh, he might be a bit more desperate in the sense that we will assume that Felix is going to have many, many more uh, opportunities to win a title, whereas, you know, Evans is now uh, at... 30 years of age um, and you know he is playing the best tennis of his career and you know I'm not saying he hasn't got much time left of course he has but I think he's, he'll have less opportunities left so I think um, you know we, we don't need to worry about Felix not winning a title he will win a title in his career whereas Evans it will be a massive shame for him if he ends up retiring in sort of four five years not having won a title uh, so I think maybe uh, you could say that he will be the, the more desperate to win. But of course, that they'll both be desperate. Yeah, possibly the first and only time we see the Murray River open. Um, let's hope so anyway. Uh, so moving on to the other slightly made up event for this week, and that's the Great Ocean Road Open, also a two, 250 ranking point uh, event running alongside the Murray River Open and, of course, the ATP Cup. And it's an all-Italian final in this one. Just to, to kick off the season, we've got Yannick Sinner extending his unbeaten run on the ATP Tour from the back end of, of last year when he won the title in Sofia, I believe it was, um, making his way to the final in this one in very impressive fashion. Um, pretty routine. I mean, he brushed Karen Hatchinov aside, which is not easy to do so at all um, in the semi-final. So the night, I mean, the 19-year-old just goes from strength to strength. The sky's the limit with this man. And yeah, I'm looking, really looking forward to seeing him in the Australian Open. He comes in as overwhelming favourite, you'd have to say, I think, against Stefano Travaglia, the 29-year-old. who's risen to 71 in the rankings, which I'm pretty sure would be his career high. Um, he's a player that I stumbled across once when... Uh, I was just randomly scrolling down the rankings as I love to do in my spare time um, quite a few years ago. And I just remember seeing a name in Stefano Travellia that I didn't really recognise, but was inside the top 150. Um, uh, I think it was around 26 at the time and was mainly just playing those Italian challenger tournaments that we see a lot of players profit off to reach that kind of ranking. Um, but it's nice to see that a player like him has, has been able to go on and, and push into that top 100 and not just sort of break out of the 90s and, and now finds himself in a main tour event final. I'm pretty certain that it's his, his first one as well. And he's got some impressive wins this week. He's beat Hubert Herkash, that of course showed excellent form in Delray Beach, very precocious Polish talent. And then you've got Alexander Bublik, another younger player, he also won against him, who's already made an ATP Tour final this year, of course. And he also beat Sam Querrey, the big server. Maybe not as not as a high profile of a win than, than the previous two, but still a, a tricky customer on a hard court. So, yeah, he's really sort of broke out and, 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 and shown that his, uh, his, his true capabilities. And if he can be uh, consistent and a thorn in the side of the, the players that you see at sort of two, 250 rank events throughout the year, then he's definitely a player that can increase his ranking if he can replicate his form this week. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think um, Trevalier is certainly not a name that I was sort of tipping to 
how a brilliant week. But yeah, I, some of the wins uh, he's got is really, really, really impressive. Um, he's had tr some tricky matches, you know, uh, a couple of free setters in there. Uh, pushed a bit more than Sinner, who, apart from today's match against Hatchinoff, was getting through his matches quite easily and probably has had an easier run um, to the final. Hatchinoff, though, was a very tough match. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Sinner um, will be trying to get back-to-back -back titles now. Obviously, he won the title at the back end of last year. Where that was, I'm trying to remember. Um, and so, you know... He'll be on, a, a apart from these two exhibition matches that he lost uh, last week, so don't really count, uh, he's on a, a run of nine straight wins on the tour. This could be 10. Uh, and the perfect preparation for the, uh, the Australian Open, I said at the end of last year, I think he should be pushing top 10 this year. And I, I, I still stand by that decision. I think Sinner definitely is favourite for this one. Um, you know, sometimes when players from the same country play against each other, it can form a little bit, can go out the window. I don't know how well these two know each other's game, but it's very likely they practice together and know each other's games inside out. So that always does sort of maybe level the playing field a bit, but maybe just comes down to who's the cleverest on the day, um, try and catch the other one out maybe. But um, yeah, I think I, I can't really see Barcelona winning it. I think if Travaglia does win this, then he's someone that suddenly I'll be quite interested in and watching out for uh, in, in the months to come because it would be an amazing week for him uh, if he can win this title. And some, with someone who I've never really got excited about before, uh, at the age of 29, it's a bit of a, a late developer perhaps. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we've been talking about Dan Evans, who's playing the tennis of his life at the age of 30. It's certainly possible when... Um, be very, very, very good for Trevelyan if he could win this, but I can't see it. I'll be, I'll be going Sinner in straight sets uh, and potentially quite comfortable sets as well. Hopefully, I'm wrong and I, I, we can have a bit of a better game. But of course, I'll be backing Sinner because personal pride. I want him to uh, be pushing the top ten this year. I have to agree. Yeah, Sinner might particularly want to get this done sooner rather than later, just so he can conserve energy for hopefully a big couple of weeks ahead for the 19-year-old. Um, just a couple of shout-outs, players that we didn't expect that have put in some good performances this week. Um, a brief one in Thiago Monteiro, a clay player, the Brazilian number one, who beat Jordan Thompson and Carlos Alcaraz this week. And probably the first time he's shown some form on the, on the hard courts on the ATP tour. Um, so, yeah, maybe a player that could have a decent year. I always like the Brazilian flair of uh, some footballers, so it'd be good to see a tennis player with that passion um but just that that leads us leads me on nicely to carlos alcaraz i can't believe he's only 17 looks destined to break into the top 100 comfortably this year he's currently at 146 and he beat david goffan a former top tenor um this week the biggest win of his career so far a lot of people doubly dubbing him the the next rafael nadal which of course is is a lot to live up to but the, the early signs are very good from Carlos Alcaraz. He's, he's won quite a few challenger tournaments, I think, particularly on the clay. So so putting the, these performances in on the hard courts really does stand him up in good stead for, for the year that lies ahead. And, and for him, yeah, just transferring that form onto all services and just, just developing as a boy. Yeah, I mean, he's not even ad an adult. So um, 
yeah, it'd be, it'd be exciting to see how he gets on. And yeah, he's definitely thrown thrown his name in the hat. Yeah, um, it's a player I'm really, really excited about, to be honest. Um, Alcaraz, um, I hope I get that pronunciation right. Uh, you did uh, Spanish at school for a bit longer than me, so I'll have to count on you for my Spanish pronunciations. Um, but yeah, no, really, really impressive. I'm just looking at his form now. He's won 15 matches of his last 17. That uh, extends into last year with the challenges as well. And what's very interesting is a lot of these matches that he won at the back end of last year, in fact, most of them have gone to three sets. And I think that's really important because though it maybe indicates he has trouble seeing matches over the line quickly, I think it's also really important for a young player to be put into these really tough matches, these three set gruelling matches and, and come through them. Uh, and some brilliant wins on on his record. You know, obviously Goffin is the pick of the lot, but uh, of, of recent beating uh, Balas, good... Um, Hungarian uh, challenger player, uh, Hugo Delian, we've seen possibly in the top. Delian might have even been in the top 50, maybe not quite that, but, you know, he's been in about the... No, Marcus is shaking his head. He's definitely been top 100, um, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm very excited, Alcaraz. And I think, I might be wrong, but I think I did make the comment. We, I think we mentioned him at the end of last year. Correct me if I'm talking about another player, Marcus. But I made a comment about how all of the tournaments he was playing seemed to be on clay courts in Spain. I think, uh, was that Alcaraz? Um, I'm not sure. I think you might be on about Musetti in Italy, maybe. Uh, yeah, possibly. Or it might have been Save Off Wild as well, actually. So possibly not. But I think, you know, it looks like, because um, some of these titles he won at the end of... So he, he won the Barcelona Challenger at the end of last year. Um no, that's a clay court. Now he's showing that he can also beat Goffin on a hard court uh, over in Australia, which at that age is is brilliant to show that he's already got that in his game. Goffin has been around on the tour forever, uh, and, and that's a fantastic win. So not a player that I've actually got to watch playing yet. Um, so I couldn't tell you much about his style, but uh, I'm looking forward to watching him. I'm assuming he's playing at the Australian Open. Did he qualify for it? I think he... Uh, yeah. Yeah, qualified for it. So um, I'm, I, I haven't looked at the draw in depth yet, so I'll have to see who he's got um, in the first round. In fact, I've, I've got it here, actually. It's, uh, yeah, now I've got pushing myself to pronounce this name. It's the uh, the Dutch player that's popped up this week, uh, Van der Zanskoop, we'll go for. Uh, and that's a very winnable first round match. So it'll uh, be interesting to see him and a potential second round match against her cash. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, you, you've met, you just said Van der Zandschalt popped up this week, so that'll be enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll just lean into guess a player now. We've we've done like 18 minutes anyway, so. Right. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm too tired to um, be talking for too long. So. <laughs> That concludes our verdict and previewing of the two finals in Melbourne. Um, so just to finish off the episode, a bit of a more of a brief one as we get ready for a, for a heavy Australian Open schedule in the next couple of weeks. Michael's done a guess the player. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, I think it could be a good one. Um, so clue number one, uh, just for those who aren't aware, Five clues, uh, Marcus, after each clue, guesses the player uh, that I am giving clues for. 
so number one, first clue. I have made the fourth rounds of both Wimbledon and the French Open. Four hours at Wimbledon and French. Right. I mean, there aren't typically players that are non-hardcore specialists, so I, I, I'm not going to read too much into the, the particular surfaces. Um, any randomers I can remember reaching just that stage? Is that? Do you mean that as being the furthest that they've gone in a slam? No, you're leaving that information out. All right. So uh, no, yeah, yeah, that, that's the furthest they've been. Yeah, that, okay. they made they made the fourth round of a Grand Slam as their furthest, and they've done it at Wimbledon and the French, but not the other two. Okay, um, my guess is Guido Payer. Uh, nope, Payer made the uh, quarterfinals at Wimbledon. Uh, the last time it was played, which would now be 2019. Very surprising run from the Argentine, but no, uh, not Payer. Uh, clue number two, uh, I have two career titles. Oh, Payer would have fit that as well, or nearly. He's definitely got one. Uh, two career titles, Wimbledon and the French. There aren't many grass court tournaments, so if I'm going to lean towards he's a decent clay player which doesn't necessarily translate to grass I'm going to assume those titles are going to be on clay um, so what clay players have done well at Wimbledon I'm talking myself down a weird rabbit hole uh, let's just go for Pablo Andahar yeah probably fits the, the criteria uh, no not uh, Pablo Andahar uh, clue three, my career high ranking is 21st, which came in 2015. Okay, I like that. It gives me something to work with. Two titles, career high 21, 2015. But obviously I don't know where um, where they are now. Um, 2015, it was around then in the 20s. Cole Schreiber, definitely around there. Um, Kevin Anderson was in those days, but obviously has got further than a fourth round. Um, 21 in 2015. It's going to be another guess, really. I don't feel like I can really narrow it down. So two titles, 21 in 2015. Possibly quite a, not an older player, but definitely not a younger player. I'm going to go for... Taylor Fritz. Interesting. I think uh, it's not not Taylor Fritz. Uh, could maybe fit it, I guess. Um, clue number four uh, helps you a bit more to find out where they're at now. Uh, clue number four is my current ranking is one hundred and thirty seventh. Blimey. One three seven. So come down a little bit from the highs of twenty fifteen. Indeed. Maybe injuries. Oh, fourth round grand slammer. One three seven. Damn it. Uh, I think this, this is a toughie. I think it's. I, I did think this was a toughie. As I was doing it. Okay. 
Right, I'm going to take some time and edit this out for the thought process. Right, 21, career high. Currently 1-3. There's always Tommy Robredo. He's probably still knocking about, but I think he's probably lower than 137. So I'm not <laughs> not going to go for him. Um, Wimbledon, the French. That's such a random clue. That could mean like anything, really. Two titles. I'm just going to try and think back to people that are in sort of top 30. 2015. Um was that you? No, I think that came before Misha Verev had his little rise beating Murray at the Australian Open and all that. Although the two titles would be similar. I think Misha Zverev is probably lower than 137 anyway. Um, this is tricky. This is really tricky. Um, Really don't know. I'm, just, I'm gonna wait for another sort of golden oldie to pop into my head. Uh, 21 in 2015. Uh, let's uh, Bernard Tomic. Uh, interesting. I'm it's not Bernard Tomic, possibly Kafir. I think he's made um quarterfinal at Wimbledon maybe when he was very young um, but yeah I would see that that probably does fit uh, but it's not Bernard Tomic now I've actually thought of a better clue five so we'll hold my original clue five as like a clue six if you don't get this but I thought this was quite a, a unique clue uh, there is a player who retired in 2018 and has a career high of uh, 18 and they have the same surname as me, but we are not related, and they are from a different country. <laughs> so there, there, there's a bit oh, of a weird one. Same surname. Um, yeah, this person shares a surname with a former player who retired in 2018 and has been as high as 18 in the world, but they are from separate countries. Ooh, okay. Um, I think I know the answer. And <laughs> if I... I'm right in thinking this, then I'm <laughs> I'm not too annoyed that I haven't got it up to this point. Okay. Two titles kind of fits. 21 definitely fit. That's definitely ringing bells with me. 2015, this guy having their best run into the top 30. Current ranking. I'm not sure. I haven't seen this guy's name in ages, so I'm not 100% sure about this current ranking, 137. Oh, yeah, I'm just gonna have to go for it. It's the only name I've got in my head. Leonardo Mayer. Correct. Well done. Uh, of course, shares his name with Florian Mayer or Meyer of Germany, but not related in any way. It surprised me that Florian Mayer was world number eighteen. But back know, in twenty, always one of those. Back in twenty eleven, it was always one of those very yeah. confusing ones where you never understand why they're that high in the rankings. He was a bit of a yeah, man. I guess maybe just a very consistent consistent player, maybe, I guess. Um, but yeah, Florian Mayer, my last clue was going to be I'm from South America, which again, still might not have given it. I did think there was a chance that you might not get that one. But um, very impressive, I think. Um, 
And when you said Guido Pella for that first one, I was like, you can't be closer, really, because they're both Argentinian. They're both sort of like, I mean, Pella's obviously a lot better than Mayer now in terms of ranking and that, but probably very similar in fit. Um, so, yeah, that was your uh, guess of player of the week, Leonardo Mayer, playing this week in the uh, Challenger out in Turkey, I believe, or wherever it is he's he's playing in some challenger I think anything you want to say on Leonardo Mayer well it's definitely impressive when he looks back at his career and it hasn't been that sparkling really to get to in my experience of watching him and following his career to to say that he got to 21 in the world is very very good Um, I, 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 I don't think he would have hung around that region of the rankings for very long so yeah he's got to be happy with that decent player on yeah. his day 33 years of age now. I think we're probably not going to see him reaching the highs of 21st in the world again. I'd be very surprised. Um, just remember seeing him play live at Eastbourne once against John Millman. Uh, just a random fact for you there. So, yeah, uh, Leonardo Mayer or Maya, don't know. Yeah, uh, and I will hand it back to Marcus to close the podcast. All right, perfect. Yeah, one of the. Former, former legends of our uh, tennis DMs down the years, Leonardo Mayer. Um, so, yeah, that was a very good guess. Of Is player. it? Well, he's always, he's always been hanging around, not doing, not doing too much, too much, too much of, of significance, but no, a, a, a good player. And uh, hopefully he can, he can break back into the top 100 this year, a bit of a uh, enjoyable twilight of his career. But that does conclude this episode, sadly. Um, we'll be back early next week to do a, a lot more extended uh, Australian Open preview. Obviously, I think the tennis might have already be- begun by the time we get into that. But just to talk about our predictions, um, looking at the draw is very interesting. That uh, Denis Shapovalov versus Yannick Sinner first round tie definitely sticks out. Um, but no, very some very interesting ties that we're going to have time to talk about. One thing I just realised we haven't talked about at all uh, is it was the return of Nick Kyrgios this week. Always a, a, a big talking point. Just very quickly, um, had two sort of comfortable wins. Uh, well, well, the first one wasn't comfortable, actually, but um, two wins against players lower down. Uh, it's great to see him arguing with umpires again. Uh, I've missed watching him. He's brilliant. He he got very harshly done on a, um, on a time violation. Uh, I thought it was very harshly done. Uh, and he just refused to play. He just went and sat down in his seat and got the tournament director on. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing Nick Kyrgios play this week. But I thought that would be a quick mention because I think that was probably one of the biggest stories from the week uh, was the return of Nick Kyrgios. And uh, we hope to see lots from him uh, over the next few months because he's very enjoyable to watch, love him or hate him. It also gives me an excuse to potentially squeeze his name into the title of this episode for the third time in a row. Uh, but yeah, that's that. Um, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back for, for the Australian Open, the first Grand Slam of the year. Let's have it.